all systemic sclerosis patients with a lung involvement diagnosis have so many questions in their head. Uh, but maybe if I could turn back the clock, I would ask, how can I cope with the disease and uh, how can I put my life in the spot and not the disease? Welcome to this special episode of the Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis podcast, The Scleroderma Conversation. For this episode, we'll focus on the experience of people living with scleroderma and their loved ones. Scleroderma is a disease where connective tissue in the body tightens and becomes hard. And as connective tissue is in almost every part of the body, symptoms can occur in the skin, muscles, blood vessels, and internal organs such as the lungs. As the parts of the body affected are so varied, so is everyone's experience of scleroderma. My name is Sue Farrington. I'm the president of the Federation of European Scleroderma Associations and chief executive of Scleroderma and Raynaud's UK. And it is my privilege to host this podcast for the next 45 minutes. For this special episode, we're honoured to be joined by Ilaria and her husband, Sergio. Ilaria was diagnosed with scleroderma in 1996 and later with lung involvement in 1997. And their story as a couple started just a few months after Ilaria's diagnosis. And as she said to me, despite that, Sergio decided to stay by her side. So this is a really, really special relationship. And I'm sure we will hear over the next 45 minutes how their journey has evolved together. Now, a major issue with a rare disease like scleroderma is getting a diagnosis. So, Ilaria, what were the first symptoms that you experienced? Thank you, Sue. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. So, the first symptom, uh, it was Raynaud. As we know, the majority of systemic sclerosis patients have Raynaud. And this means that hands become blue uh, in cold temperatures or not hot temperatures. I remember I was studying early spring in 1996 at university in a garden um, in shadow, and I saw my hands changing color. They became blue. I got back home. I reported this to my family and uh, they took an action. So basically the first sign is renal. So at what point did you decide that you needed to go to the doctor? Because often with people with Raynaud's, they just simply ignore it. Uh, yes, you're right, Sue. Uh, I must say that my story should become the story of all scleroderma patients because I, mm, go, I went to the doctor one week after seeing the symptoms uh, and the signs of Raynaud. The GP was smart enough to refer me to a specialist who understood that I had an autoimmune disease. He recognized the uh, renal phenomenon. Even if he didn't know it was scleroderma, he decided to refer me 
to an expert center. They decided just after one month from the from the the onset of Renault to make me the autoantibody tests. Of course, they was positive. I had the ACE CL70 autoantibodies positive, and then they he said you have scleroderma, which was a really abrupt diagnosis because he didn't explain to me what I had to expect from this. So, Laria, how would you describe scleroderma for people who perhaps are not really familiar with it? Yes, let's try to explain what it is. Scleroderma or systemic sclerosis is a rare complex autoimmune disease. It can affect the skin in several manifestations, but can involve also internal organs like the uh, heart, the lungs with the fibrosis, the, the, the kidneys, uh, basically all the body, because we produce collagen that makes our organs and skin as well become hard and hard. So the thickness and the fibrosis are the results of an inflammation. We need to lower the inflammation that can be stopped. We have seen, for instance, for the COVID, that uh, there was this storm of inflammation that uh, needed to be, um, to be uh, stopped before getting the fibrosis, which is irreversible. So um, systemic sclerosis is a very complex disease because you will not find two person with the same problems. I have friends that have joints affected that really don't let them have a normal life. Sometimes even eating or dressing up becomes impossible or very, very difficult. I have people um, that have the skin involved, so it becomes hard. Others that have the lung involvement. So it's a really a complex and heterogeneous disease. And in your case, um, it's affected your lungs. What was your first experience, can you remember, of that lung involvement? What did you first notice? Uh, I, I noticed that I had breathless. But, you know, uh, sometimes when you start coughing or being breathless, you don't think I have something in my lungs. Maybe I... I'm just a little tired, I didn't train my body enough, so it's not uh, a positive moment of my, of my life can happen. So I didn't really relate these symptoms to the lung involvement. Also because I had a very early lung involvement. Yeah, and it's often we don't notice the symptoms, but those closest to us do. Sergio, you know, Ilaria received her diagnosis in 1996 for scleroderma, but you were friends with Ilaria before you became a couple. Were there any signs that you noticed um, of her scleroderma and then lung involvement? So we started being a couple 
three months after Hilaria's diagnosis. Later this summer, uh, we had a holiday in a beautiful park on a mountain north of Italy. We had daily excursions and everything was perfect, except the weather. We went to the same place the following year, but Ilaria was breathless and very, very tired. Do the same things in the same places. We realized that something happened, but we didn't know what was happening. Keep in mind, it was 1998, after one year from the diagnosis, and we were naive. So then, I think, having noticed that something clearly wasn't right, you went to the doctor um, and you and you received that diagnosis. I wonder at the time, Sergio, what, what were the questions um, that you had for the doctor during the diagnosis of lung involvement? At that time, uh, we were a young couple and young person, and I if I'm not wrong, her mother was with her, correct, boss? Yes, my love, that's correct. My mother was with me. So I had a question for Ilaria and Marinella, her mother. Honestly, I don't remember, as I was very scared. But I can imagine he was wondering, how serious is it? Uh, how many years uh, she will live? Is there a medicine? Basic uh, but scary question. And for sure, there, there's where Elias and Marinella's questions. So now when you both look back, are there any questions you think you should have asked that you didn't at the time? Well, uh, 25 years uh, have gone. 25 years of research, development of new drugs, uh, clinical improvement. 25 years ago, I had a simple question. Today, after 25 years of experience of living with systemic sclerosis, I had many questions on how to prevent the organ damage, why respiratory or physiotherapy is not suggested, and many other. Ilaria and me, we are coping together with systemic sclerosis. She is very much involved in her advocacy activities. And let me better understand what is happening around research and so on. 25 years ago, we were so young and with no experience. Knowledge helps to raise the right question, for sure. So it sounds like you have a really true partnership that has really developed and strengthened, you know, over the last 25 years. But Ilaria, what, what's your thought? You know, what do you wish you'd asked back, back then about the lung involvement? Uh, many, many questions, for sure, as you I'm sure that all systemic sclerosis patients with lung involvement diagnosis have so many questions in their head. Uh, but maybe if I could turn back the clock, I would ask, how can I cope 
with the disease and uh, how can I put my life in the spot and not the disease? So can you help me? Can you give me the possibility to do this? So not basically a clinical question, but a question on how cope and live a, let's call normal life, will not be a normal life, but a better life, good life, even with lung involvement and a complex disease. And I think those are questions that for anybody listening who is maybe newly diagnosed with lung involvement, they will take those away and and have that conversation with their physician. But as we know, this isn't a disease that stands still, it progresses. Um, And I just wonder, Ilaria, as your disease has progressed, what what have you noticed about that progression and how are you coping with it? I, I, I would like to explain an internal journey because at the beginning I was denying the disease because I said, why do I have this disease? Why it's happening to me? No, 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 I don't have it. So I didn't take the pills. My mother had to place the pill in front of my plate every day, so no adherence to the therapy, and this is significant. But then she also helped me to ask for help because she said, okay, Ilaria, if you have a stomachache, you go to the gastroenterologist. If you have a problem in your mind, you go to psychologist or psychiatric. They have the right instruments to help you in, the, in managing your life. And overgo all these blocks. I did it. And I helped managing the disease, but also listening to my body, taking care of myself, and also recognize the symptoms that kept on increasing because, as you said, is a chronic condition. So we will not heal, but we can prevent if we are prompt to face the changes in our body. So the symptoms was more breathless, more cough, more pain in the joints, um, more fatigue. Let's stress on this because the fatigue is often underestimated by clinicians, but affects our daily life 25 hours per day, let me say. Uh, So beyond the the, the symptoms, I think that I had to make this internal journey to accept and uh, uh, manage them. I am sure that this is a very common journey for many, many people, particularly the denial. So once you moved into acceptance, has this helped you to better manage the progression? To go to the appointments. So I always uh, cancelled the clinical uh, consultations or I delayed my tests. Then I, I realized that I was doing to feel better because when you deny, it, the problem doesn't disappear. It's always there, 
it gets bigger and bigger. But if you say, yes, there is a problem, how can I not fight? Because I don't want to give this negative idea that the disease is a monster. No, no, because the disease is something that's happening to me, to my body, to my family. So I just have to cope with it and try to make it as lower as possible. Thank you, Laurie. And Sergio, what is it that you've noticed about your wife's disease progression? Because you will be seeing it from maybe a very different perspective. Ilaria is coping with a severe disease for her whole life. And now I became very careful to every change in her body and daily activities. I can feel if climbing stair causes even just a little bit breathless or cough, if she needs to rest because of the fatigue and many other. Basically, when you live side by side with a person who suffers, it's like having a radar inside. So you, you have become very attuned to those changes. And does that um, affect the way you respond um, to Ilaria? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the symptoms um, and getting a diagnosis. But Ilaria, how did you actually feel um, at that moment of diagnosis to finally have a name for the symptoms that you were experiencing? Well, um, as I told you before, I just had renal. So, <coughs> um, I, I, I repeat, I've been very, very lucky, but other friends went through an odyssey, a big journey that lasted years. And uh, uh, it's important to have a name to all our symptoms, because often when we go to the GP reporting fatigue, breathless, they say, you suffer of anxiety, of depression. No, no. It's important to be referred, as it happened to me, to an expert center who is able to make a diagnosis and have an immediate access to the therapies like it happened to me. And we know that diagnosis is really, really important. I think we need guidelines for diagnosis because this would, al would allow to have harmonized guidelines all over Europe and then all over the world. So my example should be the daily, the daily practice. Symptoms referred by the GPs to the expert center, hot antibodies or puppy fingers, and then diagnosis. This would save time, money, and also quality of life and length of life. So hearing um, that somebody has got a chronic condition, um, that can be a major shock for everybody. So yourself, Ilaria, and Sergio, how did you feel when you heard about Ilaria's diagnosis? 
Oh my God. At the time, uh, internet uh, was not uh, known, fortunately, fortunately or unfortunately. We had just uh, an old book of medicine and we searched for scleroderma. Shocking. Five years from diagnosis to death. You can imagine how we felt, how Hilarious felt. We were playing in our sleeves together and this information was like a tornado Katrina. But I'm sure that people who are listening to us have experienced the same feelings. Why to us? What have we done to deserve this? So it sounds like possibly the information that you were given wasn't very much. Uh, Ilaria, what information do you wish that you'd been given at time of diagnosis? <laughs> you will not die within five years. That was shocking, as Sergio said, to me, to him and to my family. And uh, I didn't know anything about the disease. So maybe receiving some... Uh, scientific information or leaflets from a patient organization I could approach, that would have been really, really helpful. Also to hear that the research was, uh, was running different projects. And it was really because if we think of the drugs that uh, had access to the market in the last 25 years, they changed the scenario for caring and curing systemic sclerosis. But I didn't receive any information about this. And then about the self-management, some tips on how to uh, do some things in my daily life and uh, approach a psychologist because your life deserves to be lived at the best despite all the difficulties that probably, but not for sure, you will have to face in your life. And so those are all really important things to understand, uh, what, what the disease is, its progression, what's actually happening in terms of research. But Sergio, what advice would you share with a loved one of a person newly diagnosed with scleroderma and lung involvement? I would say simply, be always close to each other, share your emotions, listen to the needs, fear, anger of your loved one. Important, go together to the medical consultations. It's an experience you have to live together to keep or staying together. If you are in need, or you can manage all this burden, don't hesitate to ask for help to a psychologist. I think that's really important, isn't it? Not to be afraid to ask for help, but so many of us step back. So thank you for sharing that. Now, 
getting a diagnosis for a rare disease where there is no cure and relatively few treatments, although this is improving, can be daunting, as we've just heard. So, Ilaria, would you say your mental health has been affected by your diagnosis? And and how have you then coped with that? Oh, sure, Sue. It's been affected a lot. As Sergio said, it's, it was a tornado Katrina. So uh, denial, acceptance, and so didn't came along. I had to uh, approach the psychotherapy because really changed my life. But the suggestion didn't come by the clinician, came by my mother. This should become practice when uh, a doctor gives the diagnosis. Must be very gentle, thinking that as a person and that the news he or she is giving to the person in front will change her life forever. So suggesting to ask for this help, it's really, really important because, you know, also healthy people sometimes needs this, need this help. And a person that is becoming a patient for the whole life really needs to be taken and cared by a psychologist or a psychiatric. So don't be ashamed. I went through this situation and uh, I share with you what recently happened. I was feeling not depressed because I felt and I experienced depression in the past. But I felt very sad, in a very blue mood. And I said, oh, oh I can't, my body can't afford depression. I have to take action now, not later. And this is the result of the journey with the psychotherapy. So I asked and I was prescribed with a very um, low pill for the depression to prevent it. So I don't feel ashamed for this. It's normal. It's a pill like all the others that I'm taking to feel better. And I think that's so important to, when you recognise those early signs and symptoms, to, to ask for help. But as part of your journey with support from a, a psychotherapist, are there any kind of tools and techniques that you've learned along the way that you think might be helpful to share? Take time for myself and for my family. My family is composed by me and Sergio, <laughs> only two of us, but sometimes it's more than enough, believe me. And uh, take time for ourselves. So go out for lunch or dinner, uh, just staying together. Mm, you know, when you have such a condition, you realize that happiness comes from small things. So 
we all experienced two years of pandemic. My lockdown lasted two years. But we found that sharing some special moments just for us was really happiness. happiness. So don't do something special because it must be special, but love what you're doing and do what you love. And I particularly like it. You told me about having an aperitivo on the lakeside. I mean, to yes. me, that just sounds perfect, a perfect moment. But Sergio, how how has the diagnosis uh, of Alaria affected your mental health and, and how, how do you manage it? Well, of course, every case is a per se case. But uh, I think that all caregivers, Ilaria hates this word. Yes, I will tell you why. <laughs> uh, we caregivers share a sense of frustration, anxiety, worry, and apprehension, and they increase with the worsening of the disease. I am aware this affects also Ilaria emotional well-being. But they have my emotion and we try to talk about this. Trying to share the burden of the disease and help each other. And Ilaria, uh, Sergio said you don't like the word caregiver. I'm interested to know why. Oh, yes, because he is my husband. He, I don't want him to be my caregiver because we already have a burden on our shoulders and thinking that he has to take care of me as a patient. Whoa, it's a negative image. I wish he does it because he loves me. And he's my husband, not my caregiver. It's true. Language is so important, isn't it? Yes. He is your other yes. half and you are, uh, and you together have accepted that this is a journey you're, you're taking together. But, but Sergio, um, how do you cope with stress that possibly comes from living with somebody who has scleroderma and lung involvement? You can imagine that I would uh, like to make lung fibrosis to disappear. But neither is this is possible, nor it's my rule. I try to listen to Galetti <laughs> and her emotion, to be there when she needs. Uh, I try to help her in daily activities and support her in her advocacy role. But I live my life. Our own lives are much more than the disease. It's important. Good answer, boy. <laughs> yes, it's important to <laughs> take those aspects of your lives that are separate as well. Um, but I wonder whether you've ever um, spoken to any other um, carers or, or partners um, and had that opportunity to 
share your feelings and to to hear theirs at all? No, I didn't. I know I should have. But you never know the situation on the other side. May I add something, Sergeant Sue? Do. Yeah. So, um, as Sergeant said, it's every case is a per se case. I think Sergio is not the person that goes and asks uh, other people in the same situation. But no, really? <laughs> yeah, but let me stress the importance of contacting patient organizations because they can provide very, very good advice both for patients and their loved ones because we that are involved in patient organizations are very aware of the fact that this kind of diseases affect the whole family. So for caregivers, really go and contact the patient organization, maybe together with your loved one, with the person that has the disease. There is no right or wrong time. You've got to do what's right for you. But I think, as you were saying, the most important thing is to know that there are organizations out there um, that can help and support people when they need it. Now, one of the things I think we've become very aware of over the last 15, 20 years is that treatments, yes, they're very important, but taking a, a more holistic approach to one's well-being, be that your mental health or your physical well-being is so important. So, Ilaria, I'm, I'm keen to understand how do you maintain your physical well-being whilst living with scleroderma and lung involvement? I am... And I've always been a very lazy girl, but with a stunning piece of furniture in my living room, the bicycle, where I hang my dresses, I bought it. But I said, okay, it's better like furniture than a gym tool. So I don't take care of my physical well-being. I know I should, but I am a very bad, bad example. I can tell. Or recommend what to do. Daily exercise, move to keep on moving. Yes, do it. Don't take me an example as an example. But equally, I think sometimes it's really helpful for others to hear where you've got your blocks. Now, clearly, you were quick to identify the need for making sure that your mental health was strong. And maybe this is another journey that you are on with your physical well-being. Um, I'm keen to know where you offered pulmonary rehabilitation, because that's another form of, of some exercise. Yes, I was offered. Um, I got a consultation, the first appointment, with a pulmonologist and surgeries for the lung transplant. And the consultation, the visit, due, uh, lasted almost six hours. Uh, everything was explained to me. All the benefits, risks, which are a lot. And uh, I came home again with the same attitude, denial. And so 
I was told to buy this kind of special bicycle. We did it, we put it in the living room. And then I forgot every day to make the exercise. I realized that everything starts from the mind. It's simply, I'm really scared of the transplant. I think everybody is. I spoke to people that got the transplantation and they were really scared. So again, I asked for help. I would like to receive the consultation with a psychologist that works with people that have or uh, have to undergo or underwent a lung transplant. Otherwise, if I don't change my mind settings, I will never be able to start the, the rehabilitation uh, or what we are calling. Listen, As we said right at the beginning, this is a very individual experience because it affects everybody in different ways. So I think sharing your journey and understanding how the kind of psychological support may help you to then embark on the journey of um, physical exercise. I think that's really important for people to hear. Sergio, what do you think is uh, the most important aspect when it comes to managing uh, and supporting Ilaria with her condition? Oh, after 25 years, I can say finding the right specialist. Absolutely. A multidisciplinary approach to care all the aspects of the disease is very, very important. Uh, yes, we experience this. Of course. Mm. Yes. We are lucky. Mm. We are lucky because in the consultation we had a team of different clinicians. And um, really, as Sergio said, this is really important. Important. Yeah. But Ilaria, as you and I know from our work across Europe, this isn't always the case and is clearly something that um, for FESCA we are trying to fight for is ensuring that people get access to the right support when they need it um, as part of that multidisciplinary care. Sure, sure. This, the work that FESCA is doing is to raise the possibilities of those people that do not have access to this kind of care. Yeah, to harmonize the approach. So we've talked about the importance of mental and physical well-being, but living with a chronic condition, as we know, impacts on all aspects of your life. And recent research um, has shown that 50% of people with systemic sclerosis have had to leave work five years after their diagnosis. So, you know, there clearly is uh, a financial impact. And I wondered from your perspective, uh, what your experience has been of this? Uh, listen, Sue, the World Health Organization defines uh, uh, health as a complete well-being, not just the absence of a disease. So how can your well-being be uh, good if you have 
to leave your work or uh, drive hundreds of kilometers back and forth to reach the center of expertise, paying for the fuel and uh, many other things. And the income of the family is reduced. You have to allocate the budget in uh, daily needs instead of maybe social activities. This happened to me. This happens to many, many other people, also according to some studies that have been run. Not enough to, um, to get the real uh, impact of the disease. This undirected costs those that every patient and family has to face should be better investigated because they, they are important costs. Uh, me and Sergio, we can, let's say, afford this renouncing, saying no to other things for sure, but consider that not all patients can, can, uh, can do this. And uh, just highlighting this financial impact, we can help in developing political health strategies to help patients and their families. Sergio, is there anything you wanted to add in terms of how you see um, having a chronic condition like scleroderma, how it impacts on financial situation? No, Ilaria just said all about we are lucky. We are a lucky person. You're lucky because you have me by your side. <laughs> we have the possibility to change our work, our... It is true. Being able to make those adaptations is very important. Um, and, and you've been able to do that and to create an alternative. But as Alaria has noted, not everybody has that opportunity. So important that we do raise the fact that um, it, has, it can have a financial, a serious financial impact on somebody's life. So we're coming to the end now of the podcast, and I'm just wondering if there is one thing that you would like people to take away from this conversation, you know, what would that be? What's the one thing that you want people to, to take away? I think that is give the disease the right place. Don't make the disease your life. It's not easy, but it's possible. And uh, there is not just one way to do things. Everyone has his, her own way. Life is not a race and deserves to be lived in the best way according to our possibilities. Absolutely. Thank you. And Sergio, yourself, what's the one thing that you might want people to take away? Stay always together, close to each other. That's all, I think. It's not easy, but it's possible. It's possible in every condition. 
Laria and Sergio, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's been really informative and, and such an insightful conversation. And, and to those of you listening, if you've enjoyed this episode, then you can subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. There you'll find uh, previous episodes you might have missed. And you'll be the first to know about the new season three episode, which will be coming in the autumn of 2022. If you have any questions, then please reach out to hello at boringeringelheim.com or for information about support that's available in your country, please visit the FESCA website at fescasclerodermaeu to find out about your national association. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.